Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. then we're off all this happy new year stuff has just got to come to an end now we've got to move on with his lives welcome to a new year a new podcast with me Carl Maloney the host of the RGM Experience podcast A up so how's your new year's resolutions going then how many of those have you fucked right up already have you broken come on let's have it it's okay you know it's okay seems a lifetime ago that we've that we uh i recorded this interview that we've got for you today ladies and gentlemen and it's a it's a really great you know eye-opening chat about what it's like in this music industry that that we bang on about all time today's guest ladies and gentlemen is Danny and Ali from the Virgin Marys. Uh, I had a great good chat with them recently. It, was, it, it, it seems like a long time ago. It was only a couple of weeks ago. It was just before Christmas. Um, it just seems like ages ago, you know. You've been through a lot. You got through a lot, don't you, over the festive season. Um, but every part of this interview is fascinating. You know, so, so many opportunities this band have had and been handed by the music industry and been let down by a lot of the people by a lot of bullshit that goes on but these guys have got a lot of talent and they and, and they've made it through and managed to weave the way through the through the industry their way with integrity which is lovely so we've got a great chat coming up ladies and gentlemen in the RGM world it's really slow at the minute we're just building up pipeline and stuff you know but you'll start seeing more and more stuff from about now. Last week was really quiet. So not much going on in the socials. Um, just advertising a few things that we've got coming up, really. That's all, we could, that's all we've got. That's all we've got. Uh, so you're going to start seeing a lot more coming out from RGM. Supporting new bands and artists at rgm.press. So if you fancy a look, have a look. can't wait to share this interview with you so i'm not going to bang on anymore ladies and gentlemen so i've had a right good chat with danny and ali from the virgin mary's check it out you're okay mate nice to be here yeah let's talk over each other on zoom for a little bit eh? There it goes, doesn't it? <laughs> exactly good. Yeah, thanks for joining us, Steve. I was just speaking to Ali before we started recording today and just saying, uh, I had the pleasure of getting my first Virgin Mary's gig live experience down at Part in the Pews last year for Joe's Festival at, in Macclesfield uh, in a big church, which is a, a lovely setting for live music and a, a bit of a strange and, one as a fan. Yeah, and perfect, perfect setting for a band called the Virgin Marys again. <laughs> yes, definitely. Like, um, yeah. The amount of times people over the years have been asking us to do videos or photo shoots yeah. in church have been like, no. And then, yeah, uh, we, we did the gig. <laughs> but it was good, mate. It was, to be honest with you, Macclesfield's been crying out for like uh, a big size venue for, yeah. for years. You know what I mean? Um, there hasn't been one for like since, I don't know, 2013. And, or something like that. Yes. So, um, yeah, and Joe's great. You know, it was, she, she always promotes the night really great. It was, it was, it was wicked. It was, yeah. it was just nice for us to be able to do a gig in our own town again. Yeah, yeah that must be nice to... I, I was going to ask you about that, because, you know, as Macclesfield lads yourself, um, how, how did it feel, you know... When was the last time you played to a home, hometown crowd? I think it was. I think it was, like, 2000... 13 maybe 14 there used to be a place called snow goose live and that was like a 300 cap and it was wicked like we did um i think we did two christmas shows there uh, like on the bounce Mm. and uh it was ace and um it should have been it could have been a great venue for like you know touring bands on a day off would come in and and do a 300 cap because yeah um somewhere like macclesfield it'd just be a really really good has has that venue sadly gone then now 
it's just been empty since. Like nothing's mm. ever been done with it. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't really know what happened. Yeah. Okay, I think, I, I think the, the, the people that owned it, the plan was to um, to have it as like a live venue. Um, and as I say, the, the, the gigs that we did there were, were mint, like, um, you know, sold out and it was top, but, uh, and the sound was great as well, but I, so, but I don't know. I don't know what happened with it. It's always a shame, isn't it, when you see a live music venue not in the world anymore as a, as a, you know, a jobbing musician out there in the world, showing off to all these people and playing your tunes and, and having those experiences with live people. Every time one of these venue goes, it just seems... It just seems like a, a massive loss to any kind of community, really, when these things happen. It's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, it does, man. I think, like, um, also the stories of people moving in next to an established venue and then kicking off that mm. there's, you know, sound pollution and whatnot, you know, and that being yeah. feasible. But, uh, yeah, well, it's tough times for, for venues. It feels like a time of survival, really. The, the whole music industry is in survival mode again after COVID and when it hit the music industry so bad, COVID, you know, stopped a lot of people from having a livelihood and being able to pay the rents and that kind of stuff. And I'm sure you're alluding, you know, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but, you know, we're, we're local to the night and day cafe in Manchester where they're having issues where, where somebody's moved in recently and it, and it feels like just seeing the updates uh, of what's going on with the night and day that, the council haven't really done proper due diligence when, you know, building these flats around a music venue and then somebody complains about the noise a little bit. And oh, it's then, bullshit. Then, and it's it's yeah. just like, it's money. Uh, it's just money. Money over culture yeah. and everything that's important yeah. every time. Yeah. You know, and it's just, uh, it's how far will it actually go until mm. you realise there's fuck all left, you know, mm. and then people start complaining way, way too late. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely, and, and and I think just having as many, we've got quite serious quite quick here. This is strange. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll have a laugh. We will have a laugh. I was going to say, mate. You know, it's Friday, don't you, Carl? I know, mate. I know, yeah. Let's, let's chill out a bit. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I know I'm just getting over the lurk, uh, and I saw, uh, and and this recording's been delayed a little bit, because you've not been too well, have you, lads? You've had to cancel a gig, unfortunately, with New Model Army recently. Um, COVID struck struck again, mate. So, are you, are you feeling better now, lads? Um, yeah, I am feeling um, a hell of a lot better than I mm. did. Kind of knocked me out. Yeah, uh, and I got it in twenty twenty. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I didn't actually think. Um, I didn't think that it was COVID, to be honest. And then yeah. our store manager said that he tested positive. So I thought, oh god, yeah, you know, I best do a test. Yeah, and yeah. Saw the two lines and uh, kind of all made sense because I was, I was knocked out. But, mm. um, yeah, we were gutted that we had to miss that gig because we love that band and yeah. um, obviously Roundhouse in London as well as the yeah great venue. Yeah, yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a it was a proper shit to that. Like it would have been a really nice end to the to the year to play with them boys. Like we yeah. it was like the first support gig we ever had was with New Model Army and after yeah. that gig. We're just all massive fans. Um, so to been able to play on their fortieth year anniversary would have been wicked, but mm. um it is what it is, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like what can you do? So. Yeah, it, you know, there's no rules about going out with COVID anymore, but it's just the right thing to do in it, particularly if you're gonna be uh, responsible <laughs> as humans and do the right yeah, thing. Absolutely. And, and I don't sure think we would have felt different... right, you know, having uh, you know, not saying anything about it yeah. and then just sneaking in and doing the gig. So yeah, yeah we we kind of voiced it and then it was decided that you know, yeah. we shouldn't be doing the gig. So It's weird with COVID, yeah. isn't it? Uh, I thought I had it a couple of weeks ago and thought, I've got no tests in my house anymore. In fact, I did, but all the water stuff had all dried up, so they were useless anyway. And I, I, had, to, I had to, as a Yorkshireman, I had to go out and spend three quid and have one, and they were negative. So th- that were annoying. I know, yeah, yeah, you're not free anymore, are they? No, no, no. yeah. The amount of people I've met in, in, in boozers and that being like, we got a sniffle on the Sunday after a weekend, and they're yeah. like, um, "Oh, I've got COVID." I was like, oh, "Have you had a test?" Like, "No." Yeah. Like, well, don't get, don't get a test. Said it's like, "No, it's sweet. Got to pay for it." <laughs> yeah. I, have, I was negative in the end. It, it's just the old, the old-fashioned cold. You know, it's like just reminiscing and just um, enjoying a bit of cold, really, where you can go out and about, and people 
just laugh at you for being a bit pathetic as a bloke because I get a bit pathetic when I get when I get ill. Yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with this story. No, no. no. <laughs> Thing is, though, like um, you know, you do get some pretty bad colds. Yeah, uh, but uh, we we started practicing, and um, I just don't know what stuff is anymore. I don't know whether it's a cold or I'm feeling yeah. generally or mentally or what, whatever it is. But yeah. just through the day of pushing myself through the practice. Yeah. <laughs> and then I thought Dan was like, bloody hell, mate, you don't look well at all, you know, yeah. and I had these like red eyes and it's like, I'm going to have to go to bed, you know, I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was COVID, but, you know, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. No, you look like, you look like Larry's self-portrait of himself. <laughs> you ever seen that photo? It's had like really, really odd dreams as well of yeah. like some kind of running like sports day of back when I was in primary school and these names, you know, of kids that, you know, you only knew yeah. that many years ago. Just turn up and just these messed up dreams. You wake up really wet of sweat. Of sweat, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we're all feeling a little bit better, so let's have a laugh on that. Let's reminisce a little bit. Let's go back. So, as as young kids, then, so did you know each other before you you started the band and that kind of stuff? What? How did your relationship between you two begin? Yeah, no, we um. We met at Northwich College, uh, Music College, which is uh, sadly no longer there. Um, I think it only lasted about three years. So um, it was like a new music course, um, I think, that would start. I think it was funded by the National Lottery, I think. And then, um, yeah, it was uh, like the, the, the tutor that we had, he had like jet black hair, and after about two years, it was like, fucking white (laughs) you know what I mean it was one of them Um, and the best thing the the best thing about the whole course that come out of it was that me and Al met each other and started playing music together and And how how old were you then when that when when 16 oh okay 16 yeah Um, and then I I was from Mac so we always used to rehearse in Mac and then Mm. um, after college finished Al moved to Mac and then um, yeah just always in always in bands, always doing music ever since then. Um, um, and where did you live before, Mac, then? Um, in a place called Hellsby, near like Chester, Frodgham. Okay. Uh, so it's actually kind of closer to Northwich than uh, Macclesfield is. Mm. So, yeah, um, yeah. I used to get Dan's college bus home a lot. They never used to check whether you had tickets or whatever it was. And then I ended up staying at Dan's for most of the course, and the course was so um, bad, really, that yeah. um, they didn't really care if you turned up or not, so yeah. we just ended up jamming for the two years. Yeah. Well, I think we pretty we pretty much passed our course. I remember speaking to Chute and being like, <laughs> can we just, like, record some at, at our place and hand it in? So he'd be like, yeah. So we just wouldn't go in for a week and just turn up with that and Get eight stars across the board. <laughs> it's all right. So, are you, yeah. did you did you are you both on families that had instruments in the house and that kind of stuff? How how did you first like find? Um, how did you how did you work out that you know? Oh, music! I love that. I'm a, I'm a house of like music lovers. My dad, um, you know, I got brought up on music, and there was an old, I think, three quarter size. Um, nylon string guitar mm. that I started I picked up when I was maybe 10 or 11 and then within a couple of lessons the guitar teacher said you know this is basically this is a piece of shit in, uh, in the nicest possible sense <laughs> of getting a, um, yeah. a cheap electric guitar and little combo amp yeah. uh, for a package uh, when I was 11, 12 and but yeah there's no no one of my family um, really played instruments. Well, that's how it, that's how it started for me. And what about you, Dan? Um, yeah, a bit of them. Um, so my dad always had guitars in that ramp since I can remember. There was like a Paul McCartney bass guitar, mm. you know, a violin guitar. Mm. Um, that was there since I was born, just always in the house. But my dad couldn't play like a note. He just liked... He liked guitars, and I think he liked, you know, he's again like loved music, and I was into that. So I grew up on like 
you know, Beatles and uh, Beach Boys and like sort of soul Motown stuff and all that. Um, um, and yeah, it's quite funny actually because he actually really wanted me to be, he always wanted to be a drummer when he was a kid and never got the opportunity. And then when I was like uh, seven or eight or something like that, I remember one Christmas he bought me this drum kit, you know, and I wasn't interested in anything. And it was like a big fuck off, you know, Lars Ulrich drum kit, like a fucking million ton and all this. <laughs> I couldn't even touch the, the, I couldn't even touch the pedals, you know, if I sat on the uh, seat and that. <laughs> and it was just there for like two years, like a sort of an antique ornament in the in the room, and you know, because I, I, I was too young to sort of even think about it. And then he sold it. Sold my Christmas present. Never even thought about that till now, yeah. Right, <laughs> okay. You should give me the money. You should give me the fucking money back for that. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And, um, and then, I don't know, I think I was about 12 or 30. I always wanted to play guitar. Yeah. And I used to say to him, like, will you buy me a guitar? And he was like, no. Like, I, I got these drums for you. You didn't want to play drums. And yeah. so he wouldn't get me the guitar. And then I was about 12 or 13, and something just clicked where I suddenly decided I wanted to play drums. And I went to him and said, I want to play drums, and again, he was like, "You can fuck off." Put you this drum kit, and um, but he, he paid for the lessons, and I, and he saw that I could stick with it, and and then he, um, yeah, I, I I learned on like one of them little junior pro. I've still got it, like a drum kit, and you can't even tune in, like ones that you buy at Argos. Um, it seems strange that yeah. a parent's buying a child a drum kit because as a parent, that'd be the last instrument I'd buy a kid if I had a kid. I think it was more like he wanted it. You know oh, what right, I mean? Okay. I look back at it now and think he wanted it. He wanted it in the house. Yeah. It, it probably that he got it on a. He probably got a good deal for it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's probably some some angle where he had a good deal on it. Yeah. And then um and then I never I never touched it because you know it was one of them things. I remember like my mates would be around when we were like fucking nine and ten and just sort of hitting it, but you know you don't you don't know what to do with it. Yeah. So and then he sold it. And, yeah. You, you mentioned Lars there. I've literally just been watching that Metallica um, <clears throat> documentary again this morning. Have you seen it? That that one from 2003 or something. The when they, is it yeah, the one, yeah, some the kind of monster? Yeah, when they've got that psychiatrist. Psychiatri- yeah, it's sat amazing. It's amazing. Paying him, paying him 40 grand a week or what? It's unbelievable. To, to, to sit with him. It, the, the dynamics are so fascinating between a band, aren't they? And how, and how much they can vary. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I think... Um, yeah, it's still. I'm not a. a he, 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 no matter what he does, he always still comes off as a bit of a cunt, doesn't he, Lars? <laughs> what the fuck? Like, there's something about him that you just. I don't know. He's a bit of like a. Almost quite sociopathic, in it, where he doesn't seem to have that much. The, he, he probably does, but he doesn't come across as like a, a warming person. And Hatfield, as well, in the documentary, they were, they were so different. But yeah, it, but I it kind of felt worked, I, I, it still worked I, I, creatively. I thought like the Hatfield stuff was fair enough. Yeah. Like he addresses the problem, yeah, essentially, and then and then it's just when he comes back and says like, "I can only do this amount," you know. Yeah, you can see Lars confusing guys. So, well, it's, it's a bizarre. Like, and they're still meeting up and you know getting on. Like, yeah, that's the most bizarre thing about it that they carry on the documentary, even yeah. though like. Hetfield's not there, so you can't. There's no documentary without yeah. him. And then it's stuff like delving into uh, Lars's um, um, relationship with his dad and stuff. It's yeah. just so fucking bizarre, but it, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's probably one of the best. Probably one of the best bands. Yeah. Um, it's definitely top five best band documentaries I've ever I've ever seen. Definitely. So, how how do your two personalities? Where do you where do you excel you two together, and where do you like where where, where where's the challenges with you two? Because it, it, it can't be perfect. It never is. We're two different humans. How, how do you? Why, why does it work for you two so well? I kind of feel like because <laughs> we've known each other so long now, yeah. and um, there's been so much stuff that's happened, especially like, you know music and and, and that, and well not even just music, it does, it, it feels like a kind of um, sibling relationship or even maybe like a married relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That it, it just, you know, it, it, um, 
I think we both know when we're piss- pissing each other off. And um, have you, have you got the kind of relationship where you look at each other and you can wind each other up? Have you got that kind of telepathy? Yeah, I think. I, yeah, I think. I think. I think we know each other so well that, like, I don't know. There's nothing. There's nothing more to know. You know what I mean? So, um, but I think that's kind of why it works well yeah. because. You can just be like, right, I need to take a break now. Or, you know, it's, there's no, it's dead on it. It's like 100% honest, which is good. Because yeah. most bands are never that. And what do you think, Ali? No, no, Dan's completely right. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, it's been going on that long that uh, um, I think the, um, you could probably, you can probably tell when someone's getting wound up or when. And then you realise what works and what doesn't, and you've been through every scenario mm. a thousand times before. So, um, honesty is pretty much always the best policy, anyway. Mm. So there's a bit more of that. Um, I guess maybe roles as well are established a bit better, and you kind of your ego almost gets less and less. I'm like, well, you're better at this. I'm better than you know with this, and somehow kind of uh, forge the best way forward, but. Um, yeah, it's kind of like family. I think it's gone past any. Yeah. Um, um, you know, it doesn't... There's been so many highs and lows that it doesn't really matter what uh, what becomes out of any of it as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd always be there for, uh, for nice. Dan, for Danny. What? And I, I like to think, you know, it's the same. <laughs> the other way, but, uh, as long as we're... Still, no, 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 of course it is. Of course it is. It's just, but yeah, but I... I, I I think, I, yeah, we've done everything from fist fights to, yeah, um, yeah everything. So, what, what's your favourite thing about each other? Um, I, I think there's a uniqueness to Dan that uh, the no one else has. So, um, something happens when he plays the drums, or when he. Um, He's probably one of the funniest people I've met when he's out of himself, when he's kind of riffing mm. and he's somewhere where he's out of thinking about um, anything serious. Mm. I think like uh, the man's a kind of natural talent. Yeah, man. And for Ali, for you, Dan? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think if we didn't have a, we both have a really, really similar sense of humour. Mm. I think that's probably one of the reasons. Is it dark? I'm, I'm getting a dark sense of humour vibe from you both. It's just, yeah, it's I, 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 it's, it, it's as dark as you want it. It can be as dark as you <laughs> yeah, want it sure. to be. And then, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's probably That's probably one of the main things that's sort of kept us going, which I actually think is probably one of the most important things about people. It's, yeah. There's nothing like when you meet someone who doesn't have a sense of humour. No. Um, but no, I mean, I was like, um, I guess ultimately like, I'm, I'm a fan of his songs. You know, and I, I've always been a fan of his songs um, and like his lyrics and stuff. So there's that as well. And, um, you know, it's just a good person, you know, someone that lives by the golden rule, which is what we're all supposed to do. Nice. I, were, I were having a quick look on Wikipedia because some of the bands that I, that I interview and chat to, they're, they're not as posh as having a Wikipedia page. So, so I thought, oh, the uh, Virgin Marys have got one. I'll have a quick look. And, uh, the, you know, there's quite a lot of, you know, backstory to you all. And you, you've been through a few different lineups over the years as well. Um, what What's made you guys stick together now as a two-piece? Was it a challenge having different voices in the band just based on how strong you've known each other all your lives and that kind of stuff? Talk me through the dynamics yeah, of other people as part think, of this thing. I think, I mean, I, I can't... <laughs> Like we have a laugh about it a lot because um, back in the day, like when we, when we, um, when we first started out and stuff, I think we were like twenty-one, and we got this, we got this deal, uh, it, and it was literally like the deal that you know you hear about in like a movie. <laughs> where it's like yeah. we got offered a deal to go to um, LA, uh, like, like Hollywood, and record for six months, and then. Uh, with this uh, Grammy award-winning producer, and um, you know, if and then he had six, and then he had uh, a year to sell it to a major. If you got a major, it, it was all that stuff. Yeah. And of course, like we did everything that um, 
everything you're not supposed to do. Like, you know, sign the contract that you weren't supposed to sign, yeah. you know, got a fucked up deal. Um, you know, had had a fucked up manager. Um, it, uh, uh, like we've, we've done all of it. Like I can't even, like yeah. I could, I could spend three hours here talking to you and, and I can guarantee you'd be pissing yourself by the end of it. <laughs> like the stories, but um, give us one story from it, like the, like the best story from that like experience. <laughs> um, what was one of the best stories? Um, I mean, what? Careful, Dan. What? <laughs> I know. <mean, laughs> I mean, um, Okay, I, I'm, I, one of the funniest stories that I, I always remember that, yeah. and 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 it's funny because like, um, so our, our manager was like a heart on his sleeve kind of guy. He was, um, um, you know, I think he was, he was like, he was more excited about being in the band and getting the deal than we were. If you know what I mean, it was almost like he he wanted the deal. You know, he wanted to be in the band. So, and um. Um, yeah, the 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 producer. Um, um, they we ended up coming back to England, and and then there was a bit of a fallout. And um, he ref- he they he refused to speak to the band anymore. Um, uh, sorry, he he, re- he refused to speak to the manager, so he only speak to the the band. So we had to set up like um um a voice call, but the manager wanted to still be on the call because he was worried about what would be said. And um, we had to get, like, a, um, he actually asked, he said, like, has anybody, which one of you has got, like, a, a phone that you can have, like, a um, um, a loudspeaker on? So it ended up at my mum my and dad's house. And um, um, I think they'd accused him of, um, they'd accused him of being uh, anti-Semitic, and then, and then he'd said something like, and I looked that up in my dictionary, and it was, um, you know, uh, against, and he was like, and I'm not anti-Semitic. Um, anyway, we we had the conversation with him, and um, and we the first thing they said on the phone call was like, um, are you guys anti-Semitic? And I was like, no. He was like, do you know that your manager is? And we were like, no, he's not. He's like, oh, yeah. Um, oh, no, sorry, that was it. <laughs> literally just about before we started to call, start the call he said I might have called him a pair of Judases right. right and then it got lost in translation where they ended up saying he called us a pair of Jew asses and of course right okay there's no way an English guy would say that no because like you'd never say yeah Jew asses so it was just yeah that was the that was the funny thing about it like it was, in, in it it was obviously like- crazy like you know the holy grail of getting a record deal and you know all these promises that i presume will have been made to you and then it just it it, it goes a certain way when there's other egos within the music industry that have got their own interests at heart and it's just a the industry is a weird place isn't it it was a terrible time in many ways i mean it was a great learning curve like like diving into the deep end and um it was great to have that manager around. Mm. God bless him. Um, but we kind of got seduced into signing something. Uh, mm. They were like, you guys are the shit. You're the next Beatles. You're the best. You know, like mm. they believed in us as much as we believed in ourselves. We were just kids. No kind mm. of idea of the industry. Um, no idea of marketing ourselves or any anything like that. We just had about. 30, 40 songs, and they loved it. He wanted to pay for everything that we did. We were going to have our own laptops because it's that important that you keep in touch with your fans. You will will do this and that for you. We signed it thinking that these guys were amazing. Then within the first um, few days, I would say, um, I got... He came round, the main man came round and then said, you know what, I was thinking about it. You guys have got no hits at all. Um, Mm. And um, you need my help to blah, blah, blah. Right, who wants to go for a drive around the canyons with me? And it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. I got taken away from him, uh, from the band separately. Um, and he wanted to tweak this and that of certain songs, like literally a word here or a word there. 
I started to smell a rat. I said, hang on, is this, is this co-writing though? And then it got all weird. Yeah. Um, started speaking about his lawyer a lot. Um, and it became apparent that he did want to co-write because we apparently no longer had any hits. Um, and there was a big kickoff. I mean, there was kind of a bit of friction in the band anyway, because I got taken off. Um, there was, mm. there's never been like a kind of front man type vibe in this band. Yeah. So I think it was a bit weird to start with. It's like, why is he getting singled out? Yeah. And then um, it became apparent that he did want to co-write. It all kicked off within the first week when we were there for three months. And then he was pretty much, well, you know, if we can't work this out, you know where the airport is. And it was like, wow. You know, so we just signed this contract. We've been this like, is in days. Within days. Yeah. Honestly, we're just like <laughs> early 20s. Um and he was like, he was adamant, or he was, he, he just thought, um, we've taken you from Manchester to Hollywood, or, you know, yeah. it was outside Hollywood, but it's like, Manchester's great, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, he was dead sort of down on it, wasn't he? Yeah, he didn't have any any ideas apart from, like, the odd kind of tweak of a line or this and that, and then it was just taking more and more money, and it, we pretty much just stood strong. It's not. It's not really about... Um, if someone comes up with a better idea, fantastic, you know, yeah. all about the song. But when someone doesn't, you're not just going to, or something doesn't feel right. That's where we've yeah. always stood by each other and thought yeah. it's about the music. It's about integrity more than anything yeah. and having respect for yourself. And that's what we've st- <laughs> that's where we stuck by the whole time, right or wrong. Yeah. And that's probably why we've got the, fans that we do have and the respect that we do have because we're still here writing great songs recording great music releasing it whether it's with a label or without and we're just being honest and that's i think in this uh day and age sadly there's a small percentage of people actually doing that so um it speaks to a lot of people when it's like that Oh, they're actually telling. They're actually being real. They're actually mm. telling the truth. They're uh, they're putting the money where the mouth is. You know, like um, somehow that is. Um, I don't know. Almost like a needle in a haystack these days. Like no one's doing it. How was um, it? Yeah, we've always done that. How was it getting away from that situation then? Like you know, if, did they hold on to you? But legally, where did you stand? Yeah, yeah, no, we still, yeah. we still got like certain bits and pieces oh. in what we signed, you know, whatever it, you know, however long ago it was. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, I, I think that's what, that's the reason why we ended up deciding to stop um, being the band that we were when we started Virgin Mary's because it was a case of um, if we'd have carried on with the band that, under the same band name, uh, that guy would have, if we'd have done, if we'd done, if we'd have, used any of the songs that we'd had previously. Mm. And I think we had about 30 songs that we presented to him. Um, we would have had to work with him. He would have had to sort of be involved in it. Wow. So that was the, that, that was kind of the reason why it was like, we came back um, and it was kind of devastating, obviously, because you yeah. were, let's say 21, 22, you just spent six months in Hollywood. You met all these top A&Rs for like Columbia and, in the scope and everyone was buzzing about the band and then that's all over. It, it was, it, it, I mean, I, I, yeah, when I look back at it now, it was, it was a hard, it was a big thing for us to go, you know what, we're not going to play any songs anymore. We'll start from scratch again. And and that's when we started Virgin Mary's. And, um, and they still have a hold over Virgin Mary stuff. You what, sorry? Did they still have a hold on Virgin Mary's stuff, even though you changed your name? And yeah, you know, that, that was it. So it was, it was it was, on that point that we started Virgin Mary's and right. we never played any of them songs ever again. We never... Right. Um, okay. I, I, I don't even think I've ever even listened to any of them songs again since. Yeah. So that's how, like, because it was just... The whole thing was, like, such a bad... Uh, left such a bad taste in your mouth and that. And, um, and again, at the time, like, our manager was kind of <laughs> like... Um, <laughs> Our manager was kind of like, he was convinced there was nothing wrong with the band, nothing wrong with the songs. Um, he just wanted us to be more, have more attitude. Because, like, you know, we've, we've always been really nice, honest guys, whereas he wanted us to be more like Liam Gallagher. 
and he wanted Ali to be like, you know, um, go go to a gig and like, you know, put your fingers up at the fans and spit on spit on them if you want. <laughs> and it's like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> spit on them. So, if you want. We, <laughs> so when we said to so when we said to who, it, who says that? Spit, I know. Yeah, yeah. Just spit on them if you want, mate. So when he yeah, so when we said so when we said to him, um, we're gonna change the name, we're gonna we're gonna start a brand new band, we're gonna call it Virgin Married, he was like, That name is unmanageable. If you do that, I can't manage you. So then we were like, right, well we're definitely calling it Virgin <laughs> yeah. Mary then. Perfect. Um But yeah, that that that's how it started. That's how we started Virgin Mary's because of that. What a um, way to start your your career in the music industry. And you, <laughs> wow. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like we've been to the kind of it feels like we've been to the bottom quite a few times, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I'm still, I don't know. Out of all of it, you you just kind of realise it's about the music and it's about creating something yeah. and it's about being who you are rather than who you're being told to be or who yeah. you feel it should be. And that's probably why it's got really dark in places, and no doubt it could do again or it will do again i don't know yeah. but me and dan seem to be the only ones who can yeah. survive it and stay with it um so that kind of answers the uh, you know yeah well it, it, just following on on wikipedia it says it, it, it lists all the support slots that that you had like with slash for example was that was that part of your time in america that is that no no that, so was that yeah after, so what where's that in the well, timeline once we sort of became virgin mary's um and then started doing this new stuff. It, it kind of, it kind of all came really quickly. Like, um, um, we got a guy that um, uh, he basically he lived in Mac, and he was like the biggest Oasis fan ever. And uh, Oasis' new album come out, I can't which one it was, back in the day. And um, he'd gone into the local CD store, and then he'd seen that ours was our CD was in there because we'd asked him to put it in, sell it for us. And he bought that and that. And then um, he somehow found out where I lived, turned up at my house and was like, I love Oasis, but I can't stop listening to your album. What's going on? So he became like an investor. Um, and at the time we'd, we were involved with like another management who were trying to get us involved with this new label in Manchester called Modern English. And they wanted us to do an album with... Um, can't remember his name, but it's the guy that did the first um, Radiohead album, the first Radiohead album, Pablo Oni. And we were a bit like, fucking shit, that album. So why would we want to work with him? You know what I mean? Like, not the band, love Radiohead, but I don't like that album. That album's yeah. it's got two songs on it, or maybe even one song. But um, So this guy came in, and he, and fair play, like he, he had no clue about anything. He just said, like, I think it's fucking brilliant and I- I'm willing to put, like, 20 grand into it. Yeah. And that's all me and I really wanted because it was like, right, we'll now just get on the road and tour. Because yeah. at that point, really, in the UK, we'd never, only ever really played, like, you know, Manchester, Leeds, Liverpool, yeah. you know, shit like that. Um, I think we did one gig in London to nobody once. So I was about, you know. Um, like every band from Manchester does, yeah, most bands. And then, yeah. and then, and then from there, we 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 got this manager, and it all escalated really quickly. He was working with um, uh, an online um, sort of um, label, and then um, it was through that, like he, his company were doing Slash's first album, mm-hmm. and that's how we got that support. So that was the first ever sort of support slot we ever got to do with Slash and it was amazing because um, I think we did, we only did three shows, which was like Edinburgh, Belfast and Manchester. Mm. And then in Manchester, um, he was wearing our t-shirt and then the lead singer, Miles Kennedy was wearing our t-shirt in Luxembourg, the next gig after that. And turned out they really loved the band. And um, yeah, I think, um, Classic Rock Magazine put out a CD of like Slash's favourite 20 songs and he put uh, on one of our songs, Bam Bam Bang, on it. And what, so, what, what was it like? I I think that, you know, meeting Slash might be quite intimidating. What, what was it like to meet him and like play on the same stage? And He didn't make you know? it intimidating in the slightest. Um, mm. It's one of the most impressive kind of encounters, I think. Mm. That, uh, I think me, Dan and Matt, 
uh, who was playing bass. Um, we were outside uh, one of the venues, I think, and we noticed that he was, we were just outside having a cigarette and we noticed that he was there and he just kind of wandered up and just made, uh, it was dead easy, it was dead nice yeah. and he, he didn't make it at all. There was no sense of um, huge ego or yeah. anything like that. Probably couldn't sing his praises high, wow. high enough, really. It was amazing. Such a iconic person, and you know you you you've gone on and supported many big bands. Just going on the list that I've made a note of: Skunk and Answer, Terrorvision, Ash Feeder, Queens of the Stone Age, We Are Scientists. All these big bands. What what kind of experiences did you did you take away from touring with these with these you know massive acts? I think like I I like to, I think we both like to kind of learn. We're um, we're both nice good people and yeah. uh, willing to kind of listen and learn from and hear people's stories and I think that people like that and they've kind of taken us mm. under their wing in, in certain regards like Skunk and Nancy were incredible with us and um, we, yeah we just kind of learn off, off people and um, the drummer um, Skunk and Nancy didn't he give you a kind of snare drum or something Dan? Mm. Yeah he was amazing um mark like pretty much from the first gig was um was dead sound sound with me and um really like my drumming and um i think my maybe my hi-hat symbols one of my hi-hat symbols snapped um maybe a couple of gigs in and you know we didn't have, i didn't have his didn't have his spares so we're just cracking on with it and then he heard that they were cracked so he he give give me his his spare pair and then at the end of the gig, he was like, "No, they're yours." And then he gave me a snare that he'd been playing for the gig, and that, and um, yeah, sound. You know, like um, most of the bands that we've ever been with have been amazing, and I think that yeah. uh, we're just grateful to be there, and we're yeah. kind of happy to, um, I don't know, just learn what you can. Happy to be there, and it kind of works. Just it's, like it's definitely not a coincidence that these big names that are nice to people are still around. Yeah, I mean, there is, there has been the odd one where you just think, like, we just, uh, we tend to let people be exactly who they are. I don't think, like, we really come to the party with any egos or whatever. It's just that everything that we do is in the music and the performance, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, We're not going to change people while we're on, whether they're supporting us or we're supporting them. It really doesn't matter. Um, Who did you have in mind, Ali? I've got to ask. (laughs) What of like not that? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say that. Oh, oh, mate. Well, God, mate, everybody watching, this, everybody's watching this is is wanting me to ask. So well, yeah, you, no, you, 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 you can be guarantee like someone someone will enter the room <laughs> and uh, and they'll do their little dance, whatever that is, and um, no one will say a word. You know, everyone will be yeah. nice as pie. You know, with that, but they'll leave the room yeah. and there'll just be a knowing look yeah. between uh, me and Dan. And uh, Gareth, as the whoever we're touring with, and it's just it's just known, isn't it? Like, yeah. that, all yeah, right, cool. you know, that, that's how it is. That's how you are. And was um, it was it anybody I just mentioned? If on the list, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just trying to. Be... <laughs> no, you're right. no, no, they, they do exist, but it's yeah. not. I would say that most people in bands are absolutely sound. Yeah. Um, it's not just bands, though, is it? It's people in the industry. Um, you'll you'll have met loads yourself. Yeah. Just, it, people come and they think that they're bigger than what they are. Oh, there's, there's still people in bands that have been around for five minutes, like literally played a few gigs down Northern Quarter that think they're entitled yeah. to stuff. <laughs> and, okay. I, and I see I, that every day. No, I think that's, that's it. it. I mean, everything ever I can remember, I think, I think, I think probably the, the problem is most, I'd say over fifty percent, probably over sixty percent of people are getting bands or what be singers, what be in music, don't get into it because they love music. It's mm. just because they see it on the telly and hear it on the radio and go, I wanna do that. Yeah. You know, and then um part and parcel is to kind of come across as you I think that's part of the thing that they, they have it in their head whether I need to have that kind of like yeah. I'm the shit when really they're fucking not. You know, they're playing two people and that, but 
They soon, um, they, so, they soon get found out though when they realise how hard work it is being in a band, and it's not. Just yeah, all, yeah, it, definitely, it's mate. Not yeah, just, that's it. It's not just being on stage to a few people that are clapping you and getting the adulation and the girls and all, all the other stuff that you know historically has gone yeah, on with bands. It's yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard work, isn't it? A lot of hard work, and you've got to be in it for the love, really, or yeah. especially now because there's just mm. no money in it. There isn't, yeah. and um, you really have to work. Uh, you know, four times as hard as what you would think that you would have to, yeah. and get paid four times less than what you think you should do. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's got to be a labour of love, really. And uh, maybe that's the way it should be. Maybe that's mm. the way it should have been. Um, I don't know. I mean, in so many ways, kind of lucky to be able to. You see what happens in the um, what's happening in the Ukraine at the minute, and just yeah. be, to be able to be practicing with like someone as incredible as Dan on the drums and be speaking, you know, yeah. to people on the internet and all this, it was very, very lucky to be doing it. Well, you've got amazing fans that are there for the ride with you, aren't you? And, and I can remember just before the gig that I saw you uh, at the Christchurch in Macclesfield, you'd been on telly just before, you'd been on calendar talking about this tour to Sweden that you'd just been on. And wasn't that instigated by one of your more, more enthusiastic fans. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was, it, I mean, it's a, it, it, an amazing story, really. It mm. was um, a guy from Sweden who, uh, he didn't actually, I don't, I don't think he got into us that long ago. It was um, maybe four or five years ago, uh, or it was, it was the last album anyway, four, so 2018 maybe, and um, just, you know, absolutely Loved. I think he'd heard a single that had been played on the radio in Sweden, and um, uh, next thing we were touring, he came over um, with his mate, um, loved it. The next time um, he came over, it was with like his whole family, um, and he just like, you know, when someone just like, like they, they so get it, they so believe in the band, and and just. He couldn't. He, I guess he couldn't get his head around like why we're not bigger than what we were. Yeah. Um, and he was convinced that like Sweden would absolutely love us, and, and so he was always like, "You need to come to Sweden." And um, you know, the Scandinavian countries that are, are always known as the uh, the hardest countries to get into. Like, there's loads of big bands that still don't play um, mm. Scandinavia. I mean, we've been lucky where we've had a bit of in with Norway, so we've always kept going back to Norway, but. Uh, I think we'd only ever played Sweden once, and that was supporting Skunk and Nancy in mm. Stockholm. So, you know, we'd never thought about going to Sweden again because the cost, and then if you've not got big radio support, or, you know, you're going to play to nobody. Yeah. Um, but he was so adamant about us coming over and, and playing, so eventually we were like, well, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll. and we thought it'd just be one gig. Um, but no, he'd organised like he'd set up with this promoter, and it was like nine. I think it was nine gigs. It was like eight gigs in Sweden, one in an island off Sweden, um, and then he he was going to uh, essentially tour manage it really, yeah. you know, like and drive the van and stuff. And um, this is know, not this is not it, a normal situation, is it? This? No, 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 not at all. It's like you said before when you said, like, you know, people, it, it wears out after a bit, like, after, yeah. after where you realise that it's not all, um, it's not glamorous at all. And I thought that, you know, being on the tour with him, I thought, like, once he gets about three, four gigs in, he'll he'll get it, like, yeah. so many other people where it's like, it's a lot of hard work, this, driving about, lifting gear. Yeah. And he didn't. Like, he was the opposite. He was like, I absolutely love it. Like he, he genuinely just was so passionate, and um, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, I said to Al while we were doing it, like we'll never do a tour like that. Like he he, he went out of his way to like every town we went to, um, he'd find an hour before we had sound check where we'd go to like this town's really famous for doing like um, sweets, you know, like boiled sweets and stuff. So we'd go to like sweet shops and stuff, and he'd get, it was just like incredible. Um, and like took us to like the Abbey Museum in Stockholm, and um, it, yeah, I, 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 I don't know what 
that'll never that will never happen to us ever again. Like it'll never happen to any band. It's just I think that's ridiculous. the uh, that's the, that's the power of the band though, and that's the power of the belief. And something yeah. translates um, through the music where because um, he felt so passionate about like he he got really unwell and he nearly he nearly died, and the music helped him a lot during his recovery Um, and then he was adamant that he was paying for everything to take us um, to Sweden have his favourite band play his favourite country and he he is so passionate about um, Sweden and Sweden is absolutely awesome Um, and he was just showing up I mean me and Dan was still knackered from the UK tour um, and we just wanted to, we just wanted like a sleep sometimes, but yeah. there was never a spare minute. We saw everything that we could possibly see in the country. Yeah. He, he never stopped. The man is like a, a kind of fire, um, like a ball of energy. And uh, he's incredible. Like, he, he's awesome, Pele and his family. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of doesn't surprise. I mean, even though it's who would do that, um, and it still kind of blows my mind a bit. It, yeah. Some part yeah. of me isn't surprised because these type of things seem to happen with the band. Like when we, the UK tour that we just done, um, a guy came over with his wife from Ohio and the US, yeah. and just the music spoke to him so much that uh, I'm still in touch with him now. And he's like, he's a pastor mm-hmm. in Ohio of I think two churches and. Um, it spoke so deeply to him that he travelled three thousand miles to come and see the band. You know, play at Gorilla in Manchester, and yeah. it's. Um, I don't know what it is that's within the music, um, but yeah, it seems to speak to certain people very kind of strongly, which is incredible. I, kind of I don't think I've ever spoke to a band that's had, or or appears to be some kind of like. Con- conduit is that a word is that the right word i'm looking for mm-hmm. where, where just lightning keeps hitting you <laughs> at really yeah. unpredictable times and, and and that's not that's nothing you can control is it you know all this experience keep landing on you but that yeah, there's I mean, got to like, be a reason it, for that it's because you, it's your talent and how you how you engage with you with how you uh project your voice and music out into the one world of the I think was that that slash experience where yeah. like me and Dan had been um, working so hard for, you know, 10, 15 years yeah. and we'd gone through that horrible experience in America mm. and we had to kind of scrape ourselves back up, believe in the whole thing again, put in like 200%. Yeah. And then, you know, like 10 years later, um, after being told, you know, you shit and you're this and that and mm. uh, being bullied, you have someone like slash say, yeah. Oh, Virgin Mary, it's a cool fucking name for a band, you know, um, where it's like, yes, it fucking well is, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like, and, you know, kind of, um, you knew it was back then, and then wearing the T-shirt, loving the music, um, where you were the only one who believed it, you know, five years ago when you wrote it, people mm. were saying, no, don't do that, don't do that, you don't want to change this, and yet you've got to kind of, like, strong and, like, stand yeah. by it. So that, I think that um, time that, all that stuff happened with Slash. It was one of them moments where, you know, like the lightning strikes and you think, yeah, what we're doing is fucking right. And it does yeah. translate to certain people. And it's almost like that um, Paul Scholes football player that, yeah. you know, not everyone sees the magic, but yeah. there is magic there, you yeah. know. I love that. that. And it, it must have been, it must feel like a ride, particularly like on your own, on your own mental health, really, just having all those ups and downs and, uh, you know, major opportunities, you know, lies told to you, circumstances happening, amazing things with Slash. What a ride this band's been for you two. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm very, enjoy- I'm very enjoying learning about it. You're kind of making me laugh thinking uh, there was some talk in America, you know, like I was at the bottom, I was like yeah. in bits, like mental breakdown type of thing. But, yeah. you know, you have to... It's funny. You have to laugh at yeah. like them type of things, and that the kind of humour gets you through it all. You know, there's certain bits that uh, <laughs> it's just are just are funny. Maybe you wouldn't get maybe you wouldn't get through it if you if you couldn't find the funny parts of that. Sure. Um, 
Well, but yeah, it gets dark, and you've just like you've got two choices, haven't you? And me and Dan chose to actually keep going with it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. I, I hear you're celebrating eight years sober as well, Ali. No, actually, uh, ten years. Is it ten but, years? Uh, wow. Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Was was that a decision you made because of the ride of the band? You know, did something have to change in your life to allow you to carry uh, on? Yeah, I was probably I was getting away with it, which yeah. probably most people's stories I was getting away with it for a while yeah. and um, I know if it was like John Cooper Clark or somebody said you know like first it's fun then it's not then it's yeah. horrible you know and that's probably how it goes by the end mm-hmm. um, the blackouts are insane um, even when I wasn't drinking much and um, mm. it, I couldn't get away with it anymore and you know I should have stopped a lot sooner than I did but then that's never the way that it works yeah. um but yes it's a kind of it's a practice um a daily kind of practice um maybe not just with booze but you, you've got to change your whole lifestyle yeah. your whole perception um but it's the best thing that I ever did really yeah congratulations mate um, so that. And um, yeah, so Danny, what uh, what have you got? Um, what what's the biggest thing that you've learned from this ride? Uh, um, That's an open question and half in it. Sorry, mate. Um, I don't know. I, I always definitely that. And I, I know I did it for the right. I, I know I'm in this for the right reasons because yeah. I always used to say. Like for for all the good, for all the um, amazing stuff that's happened, all the bad stuff that's happened, if there was ever a point where, um, you know, I didn't get the same buzz that I got doing a gig, mm. doing them doing them shows, or being in the practice room, uh, recording, writing the new tunes, yeah. it'd be over. But it, it, it that's always still there. It's always never really changed, and it's kind of like I know that if I didn't. If I didn't have that, there'd be like a massive hole in my life that I'd never ever be able to. There'd be nothing that could replace that. Yeah. And only people that are in in this game for the for this the same reasons know know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, like and um, I think I think that's what it is. Like, um, yeah, it's it's I couldn't have I couldn't have done that. There's there's nothing else I could have done. I don't think like it's um. Well, you're talented at art as well. You do the artwork for the band, don't you? Yeah, I do all the graphics and stuff. Yeah. But again, that was like, um, that was more of like, um, I think we I did the first few. I mean, like, like for instance, like the first few EPs and stuff. Mm. Um, so I, I like, there's a couple of them covers that I absolutely detest. <laughs> and that was like, I didn't, uh, it wasn't what I, what I, I was basically putting it together, but it was like yeah. management and, and yeah, too, if, too it was, if it was now, like there's no way I would have done them covers. Yeah, you know. Um, but it, I think it was more like we needed someone to do it. I could do a little bit of it, but I never really wanted to do it. Um, whereas now I actually do. I do like doing it, yeah. and um, you know, like it's. I, I couldn't think of anybody else doing our stuff because I know exactly how our how our stuff should should look now. Um, but yeah, certainly in the early days, it's kind of a bit like looks like a bad Queen cover. That <laughs> well, well, there's definitely no stopping you two. What, what have you got? What's coming up in 2023 for you guys? Is there anything that you can mention yet? Or no, uh, we've got we have got shows coming up that we can't uh, yeah. announce just yeah. yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's just getting back in the studio mm. and uh, working towards the get more singles videos in an album nice all of that nice nice and have you got a bit of time off now we're, we're just for people watching and listening to this we're recording it just before the week before christmas so have you got a nice festive season ahead of you both uh, we've got one more show um uh in which is actually in macclesfield funnily nice, enough it's yeah. like the so it'll be the first proper hometown show in yeah about six years, we managed to get like the local cinema to um, uh, to let us do a gig there. So um, I'm really hopeful that's going to be amazing. I think um, the venue's amazing. So um, that's it. That'll be the last 
yeah. sort of um, gig of the year. Well, we'll share all the new dates and stuff on the obviously to RGM and spread the word and help I've, and you know help wherever we can. I've really enjoyed getting to know you both today, guys. Thank you. Oh, you no, cheers, mate. Nice one. Um, yeah, it, is there uh, is there anything you want to share with the fans just before we let you get on with your day today? Just a little message. Uh, just uh, sending our love. Uh, we mm. appreciate everyone, and uh, we've got the best fans mm. in the world. So, yeah, very grateful for everybody. Yeah, what a story that band! What a journey that band's been through. One of the most fascinating and interesting interviews and honest accounts of what it's like or what it can be for some people in this music industry, isn't it? Wow. Yeah, thanks again, Danny. Cheers, Ali. Um, yeah. There we go. That's a, We're back. Interviews are back. Thanks for joining us again for another week of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, stick around. Tell a friend. We'd appreciate it. Thank you. We do have the Patreon as well, so within the description of all of these podcasts, if you'd like bonus content and these episodes earlier, you can sign up to Patreon to achieve that. Follow us at RGMPod on Twitter. We've got a great good bank of guests coming your way, ladies and gentlemen. So stay tuned to us every Monday for now, here at the RGM Podcast. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure to spend another week with you guys and to crack into this new year uh, and kick it up the ass. Great. These intros and outros are short and sweet this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'll let you crack on with your week. Thanks for joining us again. Really appreciate it. I've been Cole Maloney, that guy from RGM. And I'll see the laters. Toodle ooh. Welcome to RGM. Are you in a band? Come and join us. Simply click on the RGM submission page, submit your music, and we'll sort the rest. Hello. Did you know that you can support our podcast in many ways? Within the description of this podcast, you will see a list of all the equipment that we use. These are Amazon affiliate links. Clicking on these links take you to Amazon. If you buy whatever you're planning that week, we get a small kickback and you get a parcel at no extra cost. We would really appreciate your support. Or you can just go old school and donate a pound or whatever you feel is appropriate in there. Please subscribe, tell a friend about our show, and thank you for your support, and we'll see you next week.